Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results, made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at Walgreens. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Jamie. Caitlin. I don't love you anymore. Okay, let's just break, literally, let's just break up right now. End of movie. Oh, let's break up. Fine. Do not bring me to a hotel room. Let's not have a discussion. Actually, let's just break up. Yeah, well, because uh, I'm so out of love with you. You ruined my life. You ruined my life. I know you didn't mean to. It's complicated, but we should just break up. Deal. I was going to be a doctor, Caitlin. So we're both Michelle Williams in this role-playing scenario. Yeah, we're two Michelle. <laughs> that would be a fun blue valentine where it's one Michelle Williams sabotaging the other Michelle Williams. <laughs> or if it was Michelle Williams, like... Dawson's Creek Michelle Williams and Destiny's Child Michelle Williams and they're in a relationship and they're sabotaging each other I would love that movie where's that where's that movie that said this god this movie I just let's just break up let's just break up and let's not drag it out because our kid is so cute and (laughs) I want her to have you know I let's let's just get her out of here yeah god anyway it's the blue valentine episode and this is the Bechtel cast my name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. And this is our podcast where we take a look at your favorite happy and sad movies and uh, look <laughs> at them using an intersectional feminist lens. But but hold on, Caitlin. Yeah. Hold on. Uh-huh. Hold on. Michelle? Yeah? What is the Bechtel test? Well, it is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test. Mm -hmm. There are several different variations on the test, but the one that we are currently using is as follows. Mm -hmm. Two people of any marginalized gender have to have names and they have to speak to each other about something other than a man, ideally for two or more lines of dialogue and even more ideally it's a conversation that is narratively impactful 
Well, let's see how this one goes. We have a popular request today. I'm actually very, I mean, sky's the limit in terms of upsetting things we could discuss today. Um, (laughs) And I'm very excited to get into it. We've been getting this request for years. Blue Valentine 2010 movie written and directed by Derek Cien France. Cien France? That was my best guess. Yeah. Very European last name. Don't really know. But then <laughs> I realized that I uh, I enjoy his work. He's Ryan Gosling's kind of his, his muse a little bit. Oh, I didn't look up to see what else he has done. Well, we'll get there. But he, he okay. also uh, did place beyond the pines i know this much is true he did the story for sound of metal he's done a lot of um broody okay. guy stuff he's a broody I guy see. making stuff uh, about broody guys and blue valentine was his first kind of big movie there's there's more to discuss there we'll get there but sure. let's get our guest in here certainly we have an amazing guest today we sure do she is the co-host of feeling asian podcast it's young me mayor hi welcome how are you hello welcome <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. I have so many thoughts. I literally can. I'm like just foaming at the mouth. Wait, is that? Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't going to point that out. Weird 1930s <laughs> phrase. Um, no, I'm so excited to get into this movie. And I, I was just like thinking about all of the things that I wanted to talk about it. And like, I just keep remembering more and more things. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I should have known that the creator, his name was Derek. It is. Oh, this movie does kind of have Derek energy. Big Derek. Oh, Derek. Uh, we should have known it was Derek. It was Derek all along. You don't even need to change the BDE. It's big Derek energy, baby. It has wow. big Derek energy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my cat is yelling. Aw, kitty. Oh, so what is your your history, your relationship with this movie, Young Me? So I have a very uh, tumultuous relationship to this movie much like how the movie itself is like tumultuous. Um, mm-hmm. and I was like really thinking about why it affected me when I watched it. Mm-hmm. And this was 2010 was a year that I got married. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, and I remember watching it and, oh, wow, this is like, maybe it's like super personal, but I love being too personal over sharing. So <sighs> please go for it. I remember watching it and feeling a lot of those feelings. Mm. And that was like the year that I got married. Uh-huh. Like I wanted the, marriage to end because I mean I'm divorced now yeah but I had a lot of like a lot of issues that I had to deal with mentally and like through therapy and like I came out the other end but this is when I was extremely young I think I was 22 or 23 at the time Mm -hmm. and I hadn't processed all these things and I remember around the same time my other favorite movie was this is not to sound like a film nerd but like do you know that Ingmar Bergman movie Scenes from a Marriage? But there's yeah. like a bunch of them because I think it was like a TV show at some point or something. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's a series of movies. And I loved those movies so much, which is another like I'm unhappy in marriage. I want a divorce sort of <laughs> theme. Right. Uh huh. <laughs> but I started watching those movies as like a teenager. And when I was a teenager, I was obsessed with those movies. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like trying to analyze myself I think it's because I had this like very toxic childhood where it was like they call it emotional incest which is a very strong term but basically it's like you do the role of like 
what a mom would do in your family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like when I grew up, I had this sort of relationship where I was the mom in my family and I had to do things with my dad because my mom just wasn't there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why I was like obsessed with this feeling of being forced into this like unhappy union sort of thing, which also like right off the bat, I feel like that's like very deep, but that's my relationship to this movie. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that too. I mean, it's like this, this movie brings shit out. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Also, I was like, God, the teenage girl watching uh, scenes from a marriage, I would have wanted to be your friend in high school so bad. I would have been like, oh, right? whoa, she's not like other girls. Like smoking cigarettes. Yeah. 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 Smoking cigarettes and watching it and like, this is such a good movie. I love it. I'm sitting know. at another table wearing a back brace like, young me is so cool. No, we would have definitely been friends. Are you kidding me? We would have been at the same table. I love your cat in this. Because I have a very, um, like, friendly cat. And the cats, I have two cats. And they're always oh. in my Zoom meetings. So I'm glad that you also have a very present cat. He's He really likes to me. He's, you know, men taking up too much space. But that's Flea. That's Oh, Derek. Oh, Derek. <laughs> you should have known. Yeah, Flea's <laughs> on the floor defending Dean. Being like, was he not doing his best? It's like, well, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, uh, Jamie, what is your uh, relationship with this movie? Uh, I've also been with this movie from the beginning since it came out. I saw it when I remember seeing it with a friend when I was a teenager. This movie is so like I actually I mean, I think that there is like a lot to love about this movie as excruciating as it is. I feel like I feel like Derek Derek kind of pulled this one out. I, I, I really like I don't love the obviously the characters there's a ton to talk about but I, it's, it's so complicated and it, it was I like well, I mean I don't like watching this movie right because it's really hard to watch <laughs> yeah but I thought it was really interesting coming back to this movie over 10 years later and how much I got out of it that I didn't get out the first time just because I was much younger where I was like 17 18 when this movie came out and the first time I watched it I think I identified much more strongly with the six-year-old that was like watching her parents marriage clearly not work there's all these like dynamics of you know fun parent mean parent that are completely Mm. gendered and you don't really understand when you're that young and so I, I really felt for the child the first way through obviously I did the second time but now I'm like the age of the characters and have been through relationships like this and it's Mm. so hard and so complicated and god I just uh, like oh Michelle Williams (laughs) just this was whatever personally because of where I'm at in my life right now this was a very very difficult watch on the rewatch but in a way that I feel like means that the movie is good but oof ouch (laughs) it hurt my feelings and uh I also just really like some of the things that put this movie in 2010, including the score by the band Grizzly Bear, a band that I ha- yeah. I haven't thought about since 2010. <laughs> so shout out to, to Derek, apparently, because I wasn't expecting Derek to get such a strong emotional reaction out of me this time. But Derek did it. He did. Holy shit. Uh, Caitlin, what's your history with Blue Valentine? I had no history. I had never seen this movie before. 
And in fact, any time it's ever been referred to, I I always got this movie confused with blue is the warmest color oh, and that makes sense. blue velvet. So like I would hear <laughs> right. blue valentine and I'd think people were talking about blue velvet usually. Mm-hmm. So that's my amazing relationship with it. <laughs> I would say that like hyper realistic real world dramas are my least favorite genre of film (laughs) so I tend to avoid them Mm. not because I think a lot of them are really well-made movies and extremely like emotionally affecting and effectively told stories but I don't like movies that make me feel my bad feelings I like movies that make me forget about my bad feelings which is why I watch almost exclusively romps. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so so I had uh, avoided this one. And um, I think it'll be an interesting discussion, especially on this podcast yeah. too, because like we normally don't cover hyper-realistic mm. character-driven dramas. Yeah. There's an interesting discussion to be had. Yeah, there's a ton. I was going to say, there's the one other thing that I remember about this movie that it's always so bizarre where it's like, this is not on the filmmaker or the actors, but like the mm. just like the weird takeaways that people have from movies where I think more so than the story, what I most strongly remember as a teenager seeing this movie was the whole there was a ton mm-hmm. of drama around the cunnilingus scene in this movie. Ooh. Like there Oh, I don't remember that drama. Yeah, and it was like it brought out this is also so two thousand ten, like there was like a very early proto meme like feminist Ryan Gosling which is ridiculous but <laughs> whatever I mean he is a feminist but it's like god the fact that in 2010 we're like how remarkable but right. there was like all this drama around this movie almost getting an NC-17 rating because it depicted wow. him going down on her yeah. and it was this whole discussion Ryan Gosling um, to his credit was very outspoken about like that's fucking ridiculous like why why and that I feel like that was like a big takeaway from this movie, yeah. even though it's like, well, that's the last thing that this movie is about. <laughs> like, I, and then well, I feel like I vaguely remember that now. I totally forgot about that, and I, I feel like now I remember it was like very discussed. Yeah, I mean, and I will right. say that's definitely at least in the theater. I think it's the first time I saw a uh, man going down on a woman in, in a movie. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's representation that we still rarely get yeah. in yeah. media. Was he doing this in the movie? This, that thing? Did he do that? <laughs> he kind of does it a little bit. Everyone listening, they don't have to see what I... They they, they know exactly no. what I was doing. <laughs> right. Men are like, wow, he's really good at it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's like, I just... I, uh-huh. I mean, I remember sitting... Because I, I saw this movie with like a new friend. Mm-hmm. And we sort of like looked at each other like okay you know because it's like you just truly it makes me feel old I mean and it still doesn't happen in movies often but at the time I was like wow holy shit there's parents in this room I don't remember that part of the movie unfortunately what oh, I remember it very clearly I didn't rewatch it for this podcast because I, re- I remember the movie so well but I guess yeah. I don't <laughs> Well, let me refresh your memory with a recap. All right. Uh, okay. So we meet Dean and Cindy, played by Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. They are a married couple in Pennsylvania, 
ever heard of it? Shout out to my home state. <laughs> wow. They have a young daughter named Frankie who is looking for their dog, Megan, oh. who seems to be missing. Poor Megan. Um, well, I mentioned a dog and your cat flipped out about it. He's <laughs> like, what about me? <laughs> um, the family seems to have a pretty typical working class uh, family situation, dynamic. Mm -hmm. Both of them are attentive parents, but we sense some tension between Dean and Cindy. Yes. Cindy takes Frankie to school, then she goes to work at a hospital where she is a nurse. We see Dean at work, he paints houses. We also see him drinking and driving. This is the first hint we'll get of his alcohol abuse. And then on the way home from work, Sydney spots their dog, Megan, dead by the side of the road which she tells Dean about, who berates and blames her for the dog's death. And then this is the first hint we see of his emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. They drop Frankie off at her grandpa's, I think Cindy's dad's place. Yes. Um, yeah. Which, because we get more with him later in right. the movie as well. Mm -hmm. um, in the flashbacks, this movie is told out of order ever heard of it wow non-linear storytelling Ooh, derek. oh derek derek derek's a filmmaker <laughs> derek's a writer i feel bad i'm like i i do like derek's work i know not me handing it to derek but sometimes you gotta hand it to derek i had two brilliant observations while i was watching this one that this is the like way more bummer version of 500 days of summer in terms of it's like non-linear <laughs> storytelling about a relationship that goes sour mm -hmm. and this movie is if before sunrise before sunset and before midnight mm. were all mm -hmm. combined together all into squished. one movie yeah. and just like told non-linearly mm -hmm. anyway we still got to do those movies on the show yeah we'll do bef before vember on the matreon <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so uh, they drop Frankie off at Cindy's dad's place so that Dean and Cindy can bury the dog without Frankie seeing. Hmm. Then we get a flashback of Dean. I think it's like five years-ish earlier. He has a full head of hair because... Oh my God, the Ryan Gosling <laughs> hair piece in this movie is so goofy. I I feel like they like shaved his hairline way back so that you so mm. that it looks like it's receding because you can kind of tell that it's shaved and then like thinned out. Yes, at mm. the top. Yeah, they really make this character age like a president, um, <laughs> and it's then it's still like Michelle Williams, who's right. She has slightly shorter hair. Yeah, but anyway, so we see Dean in this flashback. He lives in Brooklyn. He gets a job with a moving company. We see him move an old man into a retirement home. We cut back to the present. So with Frankie gone for the night, Dean plans a little romantic getaway for him and Cindy. He wants them to get drunk and make love. Cindy is very reluctant to do this, but Dean makes the reservation anyway. They stop at a liquor store before heading out of town where Cindy runs into Bobby Ontario, someone who seems to be an old flame of hers. 
And Bobby Ontario is a horrible person, but I will say that is a great character name. Uh, Bobby uh-huh. Ontario, like that is such a fake movie name that I burst out laughing when she's like, Michelle Williams is in the liquor store. Like, and most of this movie is so grounded and normal. And then she's like, Bobby Ontario. I was like, are we in a Will Ferrell movie all of a sudden? What? Who's Bobby Ontario? Yeah. What is Keanu Reeves' character's name in Point Break? It's something like... Oh, yeah. It's with Joey Utah or something. Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah. Utah. Bobby. uh, Yeah, he does sound like... (laughs) His young ward, Bobby... His young Canadian ward, Bobby Ontario. (laughs) Anyways, fuck Bobby Ontario. He sucks so bad. Yeah. She runs into him and then she tells Dean about it and he does not react favorably she gets very defensive. It's clear that there's a lot of baggage here, which we will learn about later. Mm-hmm. We then flash back to Cindy in college when she was dating Bobby. We see them having sex. He finishes inside of her without mm-hmm. protection, which really upsets her. Assault, yeah. Um, and then also in a couple different flashbacks, we see Cindy visiting her parents and her grandparents. And both of those sets of relationships are cold distant unhealthy or just like fully abusive Hmm. cindy also visits her grandma in a retirement home the same one that dean was moving that man into earlier in the movie and this is where cindy and dean meet for the first time they chat a little bit he implies that he wants to take her out on a date and he leaves her his name and number we then cut back to the present Cindy and Dean arrive at their hotel. Things are tense. He wants to be close and intimate with her. She's not having it. She doesn't. Well, also, there's so much. She doesn't even want to be there in the first place. Right. He, like, th- whatever. We'll we'll talk about this in the in the main discussion. But it's so frustrating in a way that I'm like, I wonder if I picked up on this as much when I was a teenager. But to watch him like keep pushing her on stuff she doesn't want to do because Mm -hmm. he thinks he's being romantic where it's Mm. like no just just listen to your partner far more uh, effective way for your relationship to not fucking explode which is also like how they meet like he's very pushy right there's a whole scene where i'll make a reference to the notebook but he's a very <gasps> there's pushy pushy person there's a great st- i mean great and by great i mean upsetting story about that scene Ooh, that okay there's yeah we'll, we'll get there we'll get there okay so she doesn't want to be there she's kind of rejecting him they both start drinking then we flash back to cindy again she has broken up with bobby mm. and then dean is hoping and waiting for cindy to call he goes back to the retirement home to find out where Cindy lives from her grandmother, which don't love that. Her grandma's so weird about it, too. Like, he's like, hey, uh, who is that girl? Can you tell me? And her grandma literally is like, sure. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Put up a fight, grandma. Grandmas be doxing their grandchildren <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Can't believe it. Uh-huh. Who can you trust? Right. <laughs> <laughs> But then he happens to bump into Cindy on the bus. So they get to talking. Mm. We see some flashbacks where they're spending time together. He sings her song with his ukulele. uh, And it seems like they're falling in love. We then cut back to the hotel room in the present. 
she tells him that he's wasting his potential. He's like, well, all I want to do is just be your husband and Frankie's dad. Romanticizing the issue again, I see, Dean. (laughs) (laughs) He then tries to initiate sex. He says he wants to have another baby with her. She's still not into it. He gets upset. He says, I deserve affection. And then they start to have sex, but it goes horribly wrong. And then she locks herself in the bedroom and then they both drunkenly pass out. Mm. Another flashback of them when they're younger, first having met, they're extremely horny for each other. They nearly have sex on the sidewalk outside. They nearly have sex in a taxi. And then they definitely have sex in a bedroom. (laughs) Then she takes a pregnancy test and discovers that she is pregnant. And she, sorry, pregnant. She tells Dean and reveals that the baby is not his. It must be Bobby's. Sorry. It's just, uh, it's a reference to an amazing YouTube video that we also (laughs) then reference constantly on the show. (laughs) Is it the video where they're mispronouncing the word pregnant like a million times? Yeah. The Yahoo Answers video where it's like, (laughs) did I get girl pregnant? That's also Uh, my favorite video of all time. So (laughs) it's so good. Yeah. So great. She's, she's, she's heavy with Greg. She's, she's, um, she's got a, there's a Greg Greg on the way. Growing inside. Stark going to drop. Greg on the front stoop. <laughs> so she, so it's it's Bobby's Greg, unfortunately, and she goes through the motions of having an abortion, but at the last minute decides not to go through with the abortion. Mm-hmm. Dean comforts her, and he's like, "Let's just do this. Let's just be a family," Ugh. implying that you know he'll raise this baby as his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to the present. Cindy wakes up in the hotel and leaves for work without Dean and without telling Dean that she's leaving. So then when Dean wakes up, he sees that Cindy is gone. He freaks out. He doesn't know what's going on. We flash back again to Bobby, who has found out about Dean being with Cindy. And he shows up at Dean's work and beats the shit out of him. So now we understand why Dean was acting that way when Cindy told him about seeing Bobby in the store. Fuck Bobby Ontario. Fuck Bobby Ontario. Bobby sucks. He's horrible. All the men in this movie are I mean horrendous <laughs> people. I'm just like we have to get we have to airlift Cindy and Frankie out of this plot line. We got to get them out of there. Certainly. Yeah. Back in the present, Cindy is at work. Her doctor boss makes an indecent proposal at her. Then Dean shows up at Cindy's work. He's drunk. He berates her for leaving him at the hotel. She tells him she can't take it anymore. She's like, I don't love you anymore. In fact, I hate you and I want a divorce. They go to pick up Frankie. They hash things out or try to kind of. Dean wants to make this relationship work, but... Cindy recognizes that they can't stop treating each other poorly and Mm. she doesn't want that for herself or for Frankie. And then we get one last flashback of them getting married. And then the movie ends back in the present with Dean crying, saying goodbye to Frankie and then walking away. Uh, So uh, why did I choose this movie? It's just so so rough. It is rough, but it's worth talking about. Yeah. And let's do that right after this break. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> give yourself a delicious escape from the afternoon with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. And we're back. Where to begin? <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, when I heard you saying that you don't watch movies like this, it mm -hmm. is like the anti-escapism movie. Yeah. Truly. Sometimes I'm like, why do why do people make movies like this? I thought this was all about tap dancing and putting lipstick <laughs> on because it's the Great Depression. You know, like, <laughs> why, why do, I don't know why I watch this. Well, I have to say it really did move me. It didn't make me feel good or better about anything, but it did move me. And like, right. I mean, movies like this, even yeah. though they're like, yeah. they don't align with my taste. I understand why people like them because they, yeah. they're very like validating, especially if they like mm -hmm. present authenticity and realism and like actually meaningfully and authentically explore what it is to be human, what it is to, be in a relationship you know whatever the movie's about like these movies that are done well can be i don't know just something that like people can really relate to yeah i hate relating to things i just want to <laughs> watch people going on an epic quest yeah <laughs> knowing that i'll never do that it is very poetic i have to say it is poetic and it's very well done yeah hats off to derek yeah so i will give it that 
yeah, the so the background for why this movie exists is uh you're not gonna believe this. <gasps> Derek's parents are divorced. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Worst thing that ever happened to Derek. <laughs> I uh, well, it sounds like it sounds like it. Um which is also very twenty ten for, you know, a guy to be like, My divorced parents and that ha- having that be a personality, you know? Um Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyways, I get it, you know, like you know, parents that get divorced, it's tough. But um, this was like something that I guess Derek Sion France was trying to get this movie made for 12 years, mm-hmm. had Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling attached to it for like almost seven years. Like it just took a really, wow. really long time to get made. Basically, everyone in this movie was <laughs> also came from a messy divorced family. And so there was like a collaborative aspect with the actors. There are a bunch of writers. It sounds like a pretty interesting like movie to make and then also for michelle williams they had to move the location that they were shooting in because heath ledger had just died right before they started shooting this movie Mm -hmm. and she wanted to be close to their daughter obviously in the year that followed that and so there's just like all this really heavy trauma collaboration that was going on with this movie Mm. that i feel like once i don't know once i knew that it was like oh it kind of it's so sad, and also I was just like, wow, it seems nice that people had each other during this movie. I don't know. It's It seems like everyone enjoyed making it as much as you could enjoy making a movie this fucking depressing. Right. Yeah, I mean, where to... Oh, oh, Caitlin, the thing I wanted to tell you. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene mm-hmm. in this movie where... Michelle Williams needs to tell Ryan Gosling. I'm going to keep using the actor's names. Uh, Michelle Williams needs to tell Ryan Gosling that she's pregnant, but she's like, you know, she hasn't gotten it out yet. And he's like, you got to tell me, you got to tell me. And he like climbs onto the side of the, is it the Brooklyn bridge? Like some bridge. He's threatening to jump off a bridge if she doesn't tell him, which he does in the notebook when he hangs from a Ferris wheel. Right. Unless Rachel McAdams will agree to go out with him. So you're like, why are Ryan Gosling characters always doing this specific toxic thing, threatening to take their own life if they don't get an information nugget from a woman right now? Right. And the reason is because I think that, so that part was not written. I guess that Derek was like, this is what needs to happen in the scene and they improvised it. So I think Ryan Gosling just did it because he'd done it in a movie before. Like that was Ryan Gosling's idea. I think he was just like, oh, bing bong, I did this in the notebook. (laughs) Let me just do it right now. So that wasn't even written. It's just like, I think he just was like, I did this in 2004. Uh, Because the similarities are so striking that I was like, yeah, is this a coincidence or no? I, yeah, I thought, I assumed it was written and I was like, shame on you, Derek. But then I, I I read in a a couple interviews he did and I guess that Ryan Gosling was just like, oh yeah, you know how characters do this? And you're like, I don't, (laughs) but whatever. Your characters (laughs) do this and no one else. You know how you were like, it was a collaborative writing effort Mm -hmm. i feel like i feel like there's a part of ryan gosling that likes to be like the like i'm gonna kill myself if you don't like like love me or like i'm gonna get beat up by the football guy you know like sort of Mm -hmm. emo i don't know i think that that's probably his heavy hand in it is my guess yeah i mean it's like he was the one that chose to jump on the side of a bridge it sounds like in that scene he could have remained on the ground and it wouldn't have been a problem that is such a like ryan gosling character thing of like this era of ryan gosling i don't really know i'm like mm. when was the last movie he was in i mean that brings up an interesting th- 
thought I guess I had about uh, I don't know how to word this exactly but like more or less his masculinity or his version of masculinity as it's Mm. presented in this movie and then how that kind of ties into the relationship in general because like during the climactic scene when they're breaking up in the hospital and he's saying like you want to hit me you want to hit me and she's like no i'm not and then he's she's saying like be a man and like there's all these i have to just like organize my thoughts for a second here because there's just so much that happens so a big thing that i talk about on this podcast i fixate on how love and romantic relationships are represented in movies Mm -hmm. and we've concluded on many episodes that most movies present a very cartoonish and false depiction of romantic love Mm. especially because most of the movies focus only on the time between like the meet cute Mm -hmm. which is another thing in movies that is usually pretty silly Mm -hmm. but between the mute the meet cute and the time where the couple officially gets together and then that's the end of the movie and we don't see any of the relationship. Or they have a Greg or something like they become, yeah, you only see <laughs> mm-hmm. the happy right. parts. So this movie obviously shows the whole range of this relationship. Yeah. The meeting, the falling in love, the re- relationship getting rocky, them falling out of love. And I'm not saying that every relationship goes through this exact <laughs> progression. But statistically, but statistically most a of lot do. of them do. So I think that's fascinating. And I do think there should be more movies like that because I feel like so many people have very unrealistic expectations about Mm. romantic love because of what they see in movies. So I think it's useful to have a movie like this that like shows the after parts of like the couple getting together and, you know, that honeymoon phase kind of thing. And it seems like in this movie in particular, like Dean's character especially has been really affected by that idea of romance Romance. and also has applied no critical thinking to it to the point where he's like if I do this I deserve this right versus love and trust being something that you earn and requires listening to people and not just doing things you've seen in movies because you think that that will entitle you to someone's love and time and commitment and and I and I the movie knows that I think because the relationship fails due to Mm -hmm. him being a horrible listener and a horrible communicator and doing things that he thinks are romantic instead of listening to his partner. Yeah. I think the point that Caitlin made about showing the end is probably why I like movies like this because they do feel so authentic and real. Mm -hmm. And it does show this part where other movies just cut out because it's not part of the fantasy. Mm -hmm. Right. But I also feel like this movie does like a good job like I think showing because the Ryan Gosling character that he likes to play so much is like this toxic but very romantic character of this like this man that's like I'm gonna jump off a bridge because I'm obsessed with you like mm-hmm. sort of and that's extremely romantic to watch in a movie but then we get to see the other half of that you know it's like this person that's like just not a good partner and then what are you gonna do it's like it's almost like looking at your teenage infatuation in 15 years and he's Mm -hmm. a house painter and he smokes a bunch of weed and like he used to be like the guy playing the guitar at parties but now like what what's gonna happen if you end up with this guy you know Uh it's like this like right 
smashing that romantic idea of a toxic abusive partner yeah right and oh, the, um <laughs> which uh, you brought up the other most 2010 thing about this movie which is the ukulele oh. element <laughs> i didn't want to say it i said guitar <laughs> No, but I like the ukulele. I love it. I think it sounds really pretty. And if somebody played the ukulele to me, I'd probably be like, let's get married. <laughs> you I love Michelle this both, song. baby. It's the cute. song he sings is, but it's so foreshadowing of what their relationship is going to be. Because he's like, you always hurt the ones you love and it crumbles the relation. He's like, basically just like yeah. singing the recap of what their relationship will be. Yeah. So uh, foreshadowing much? Good job, um, Derek. <laughs> no, there's a, there are some good points to that. But there's that that yeah, the it was a little heavy-handed, Derek, but it's fine. Um, and then like the hotel room being um, the theme is like the future, future and I'm room. like, yeah, all right, we see it, we see it, we see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so broody, but once you're in it, you're like, yeah, exactly, yeah. the future. <laughs> yeah, th this relationship is so. Uh, I, I love how you like describe yeah like the the romantic guy that you don't really think about like well what is how is this gonna bear out like yeah and all the signs are there and I that's kind of like what I appreciate about this movie is like I feel like a worse written movie would be like he used to be so great but now he's awful when it's like the things that make their relationship fail on his end are present mm. from the moment mm. they meet it's the same person yeah like and it's just framed in this like halo at first mm -hmm. and you don't i i do appreciate that this movie focuses more on cindy's background and the context for her than it does on Dean which I feel like is kind of rare mm -hmm. in any movie I feel like usually you get so much background about the man in a relationship and relatively little about the movie that's definitely not the case here but what you do learn about Dean I feel like it you have all the context you need for who and why he is in a way that it's like he's a horrible partner mm -hmm. he is you know clearly struggling with addiction and very in denial about it to the point where he's romanticizing his own addiction right he's like i get to wake up and drink a beer at 8 a.m aren't you so proud of me which if you've ever been in someone's life that's struggling with something like that that scene was like ooh, mm. rough yeah yeah do you think that we okay so this is my question because I remember watching the movie all those years ago and sort of sympathizing with him. Mm -hmm. I mean, because on paper, when, when we talk about it, it's like, yeah, he's abusive. He has, you know, alcoholism and it's like he's not a great partner. But I feel like I feel like a lot of people will watch this movie and sort of like feel bad for him and be like, well, what's so bad about this guy? He's so sweet. And yeah, he has problems. But why is she's so mean to him do you like do you think it's like so yeah and I think that's one of the reasons this movie is an effectively written and told story mm -hmm. is there are aspects of his character that are very empathetic he's an extremely attentive and loving father mm. to his daughter that isn't even biologically his I feel like a lot of I mean men in real life and male characters in movies would be like oh this kid isn't mine well then screw you i'm out of here mm -hmm. but he it's like not even a thing it's his idea for them to like yeah. start a family together there's this toxic idea of like 
oh, I'm being cucked. I'm not going to raise someone, mm-hmm. another man's kid. And he doesn't. That's like not on his mind at all. So yeah, yeah he's also really supportive of her abortion. When she wants to get an abortion, he's mm-hmm. there. And then when she changes her mind, he's there. And yeah, it's, it's frustrating, especially because you're given this context for how men have treated Cindy previously. Right. Yeah. That it's like, I get why she falls for Dean and also all of the problems are there from the very beginning and it just uh, what like ripped my heart out made me want to fucking fight Dean is I mean it's his idea he wants to stay like you're saying Caitlin he wants to be present in Frankie's life mm-hmm. and he wants to be her father but he still does hold the fact that Frankie's not his child against Cindy and like yeah. hints at it in all these scenes mm-hmm. where like there's I think it's like that climactic fight where he's like the only reason that you're yelling at me is because I'm around and like is still holding it against his holding his own decision against Cindy which Mm -hmm. is like yeah just incredibly immature and unfair and Mm. I kind of wonder young me I I wish I remembered like how this movie was received because it feels like it really lends itself to like someone to people being overly sympathetic to his character Ryan yeah yeah I think so I think there is a conscious decision on Derek's part. Maybe not conscious. Maybe he doesn't even know, right? Mm-hmm. That I, I think people are, without knowing, skew towards feeling sorry for men, even if they're the problem. And I think that without even knowing, mm. when I saw it, you know, I, I have like worked through a lot of internalized misogyny since then, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. But when I saw it, I was like, man, why is she like such a bitch? Like that's a nice guy. And yeah, he is raising her kid. And now I'm like, no, this is that that's not how it is at all. Like I had such a different perspective. But then I also like I also, you know, identified with her because I was just like every man in my life is a fucking failure and I hate them all, you know? And like, (laughs) I know why she's fucking angry. Cause like, I know how that feels, you know, like great. Now you're going to act like you're the victim when you're the, the man that's like, let me down again. Like, so it was like, it was weird. It was like a weird emotional thing for me. Yeah. Well, I think that speaks to how so many movies, so much media, and then just like society in general asks us to be, empathetic toward yeah men and forgiving and forgiving yeah and society gives men way more permission to make mistakes and like treat people poorly and i think a lot of people don't even perceive men's mistakes and their bad behavior as being wrong or bad people just view it as oh that's just what men are like like it's the whole boys will be boys thing yeah because yeah historically we've given men so much permission to be shitty and women have not been given that same permission those standards are very different i do think that i don't think that the movie is necessarily asking us to take sides but i do i I think Mm. that it serves as kind of an interesting mirror for where you're at when you yeah i agree thinking back on it i don't i think that it was made well to show like a very unbiased sort of realistic view but Mm -hmm. it is a mirror on myself and who i used to be baby totally yeah so i was like i did feel bad for him i was like why did i feel bad for that guy i don't know (laughs) i remember feeling bad for him too and then being like the same thing of like we yeah whatever like it it is 
a, a beautiful thing that he wanted to raise Frankie, but you can't. Yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating to watch him throw that in her face as if she asked for it. Yeah. When she didn't, she like there's like that scene explicitly after she decides not to get the abortion where this is his idea. And she says, you don't have to do this. And he says, I mm -hmm. want to. Let's be a family. And it's like, well, that's it, Dean. You made this decision. And I ugh, it, it's just I don't know. Yeah. This movie is so tough because you're like, you guys. Can we wait? Can we talk about the abortion scene really quick? Because yes. I know I know that's a trope and I, I'm I'm assuming you've covered it on this podcast before. But the mm -hmm. the abortion clinic, we're going to go to the clinic and lay down in the bed and then be like, I can't do it. It's a baby like that. Come on. So I that's too much. Wish we we the audience had a better understanding of why she changes her mind and decides mm. not to go through with the abortion yeah, right because it seems almost like in in the scene as you're watching it she just like can't handle the physical pain and that's why mm. she stops it but it's probably more than that she just decides to keep the baby after all but we don't really check back in with her about why she changes her mind because mm -hmm. we talked about this on like the juno, the episode, juno episode and like other right. episodes where like it is such a common trope they give you a reason in that movie but the reason is sucks and is kind of <laughs> anti-abortion in general right that movie we wash our hands of it uh <laughs> and then like the way that the abortion is represented and I've been fortunate enough to not have to go through with an abortion myself, but I imagine it's not the most pleasant thing. And I think the movie probably pretty realistically depicts the experience of it. So on one yeah. hand, I appreciate the authenticity there, but I also worry that people would see this movie and scare like scare them away. Yeah, that they would it would scare them away from having an abortion, especially because yeah. she like seems to be in a lot of pain. She changes her mind yeah. mid procedure. So I have really mixed feelings about the abortion scene. So I've had an abortion and I'm very, you know, open about it. Yeah. And I'm very anti how the media in America shows abortions because i think it's so dramatic and so over the top and ridiculous because mm -hmm. it's always like this thing where it's like oh my god like that but i'm gonna be very honest with you. i had an abortion i didn't i didn't give a shit i was just like what to do <laughs> like i got an abortion who gives a fuck <laughs> right mm -hmm. you know and i was just like and it took four minutes and i felt fine the next night i was i was like 20 years old i was probably like in, in a nightclub or whatever and i just feel like yes it's valid that some people do have that reaction to having an abortion and the feeling of like being put in this like hard place where they have to do something they don't want to do whatever but a lot of people just don't it, it's not moving and I, I deeply don't believe that it was a baby it, and it wasn't a baby and it was just like mm -hmm. something that I had to do like getting wax or something and I don't <laughs> it doesn't you, do you know what I mean I hate that mm -hmm. idea that in America every single time you see an abortion in a movie every single there's not even without one exception it's like oh like it's like oh like it's such a big dramatic thing because for some people it just isn't that and like we do mm -hmm. need like I think we need like more representation of people that are just like yeah I, I went in it took four minutes and now I'm having a cocktail with my friend like who cares right right, you know? right totally that's an amazing point yeah there's nothing available there especially when it's a movie made by like a male auteur like this too where it's yeah. like well where do you get off 
Derek, you know, telling us that this yeah, is the most traumatic you know? thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people process things differently. And, and like, if you truly believe in abortion being, you know, it's like a right that women should have with their bodies, like, you should really start to process it in a way that it's not killing a baby. Come on. Like, it's just, it's not that at all. It's just a routine medical procedure. Yeah. yeah. And there's, like, no range of experience zero shown yeah, yeah. Th- thank you for bringing that up too because i feel like we we've talked about that on the show but like not enough and mm-hmm. right and unfortunately it's like i think that this also was the first this movie i guess was more firsts for me than i'm realizing because it was the first time i saw a guy go down on a girl in a movie and it was also the first time yeah. i think that i saw an abortion in a movie and caitlin you're totally right there's no real reasoning given even though i for what i've like mm. I found like conflicting opinions on this scene where some people don't like it and and sort of for the reasons you're describing, young me. And then there's other people who are like, the thing that they like about it is the second that Michelle Williams' character is like, I don't want to do this, that the doctor is immediately like, okay, I'm sorry. And then like immediately Mm. ends the procedure. Yeah, I thought that was great too. Fun, terrible fact, Mm. the doctor that plays the abortion doctor in the movie Uh is a real abortion doctor, or should I say was, because he has since been, uh, he's no longer an abortion doctor due to malpractice. So (laughs) that's what, you know, what a, what a world. Whoopsie. Uh, Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for more discussion. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. 
And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> give yourself a delicious escape from the afternoon with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. And we're back. I want to jump back to the relationship between Cindy and Dean because, you know, we've been talking about, especially as it relates to like the empathy that some viewers have had toward Dean and how, again, like because so many people are conditioned to see a character like Cindy because she's the more... I mean, let's face it. She's the responsible parent here. Like she's mm-hmm. the she's the disciplinarian, and we've talked a lot on the show about how the disciplinarian parent, if there is kind of like that type of dynamic where it's like the fun parent and the quote unquote mean parent, and it's almost always depicted as like the quote unquote mean one is the mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it took me personally because I my. I get well my family dynamic wasn't even like that but it was just like I had a mean parent and then a parent who was completely unattentive but my dad didn't Mm -hmm. yell at me so I liked him better at the time yeah but he just didn't yell at me because he didn't engage with me at all is what I now realize was happening but my mom was the disciplinarian so I thought she was mean and so much media and I don't think this movie actually does that I think it is Mm -hmm. pretty objective in the way that it presents these two people but it's like just our personal baggage that we bring into the movie but I think this movie again presents the characters pretty objectively I think it contextualizes especially Cindy and her life and her backstory meaningfully and I think the movie does a pretty good job at depicting spousal abuse or mistreatment mm-hmm. um yeah. where again in movies spousal abuse is often very oversimplified and presented in a pretty cartoonish way mm-hmm. where it's like the man comes home drunk and hits his wife yeah right. yep there's rarely context there's rarely any additional information about the relationship we just see this kind of like one-dimensional like guy comes home and hits his wife or girlfriend yeah yeah and some abusive relationships are partially that but there are often other dimensions to the relationship where like sometimes an abusive relationship is loving and supportive sometimes the couple does get along with each other and laugh with each other and enjoy each other's company and yeah so i think this movie does a good job of presenting that kind of more nuanced and realistic version of a relationship where yeah both people are not treating each other well and like you know I don't I don't want to make it seem like oh well the man is a horrible one in this relationship and the woman is a pure angel who's like doing everything right like mm-hmm. they're not treating each other mm-hmm. well but we under we have all the context as to why like she's not treating him well because she's frustrated by he hasn't listened to her her and like being so pushy and and so for her it's a lot of just like built up resentment and frustration yeah all this to say that it's just like it's not the very like kind of one-dimensional cartoonish version Mm -hmm. of abuse and mistreatment that we often see depicted in media 
it's so interesting hearing both of you like right off the bat point out the abuse because I didn't even think it was abusive when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, yeah, this man is definitely abusive. For me, I was just like, this is just like a real relationship, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And now looking, it just shows just shows me how much I've like learned, I feel like, since I've seen this movie 12 years ago. Totally. Totally. I mean, I've, I, I don't think I would have you know, seen seen his behavior as abuse when I first saw it either. Yeah, I feel like, and I feel like the way it was presented at the time, and again, it's like, it's so tough because I feel like so much of what I took in about this movie was other people's reaction to it versus just mm-hmm. watching the movie. And it is kind of like, yeah. like we were saying, kind of like a mirror movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that was not the discussion around this movie at all. It was like, no life is tough relationships are hard and you're like yeah but also there's clear abuse in a way that i i don't know i'm kind of i i appreciate how much care is taken by the movie to contextualize cindy's attitudes towards men and relationships i do feel like it mm-hmm. like possibly gets a little trauma porny for my taste because it's sure. derek mm-hmm. writing the movie right and like <laughs> So you're like, okay. Like, I think that he did have at least one woman who co-wrote the movie with him. Yeah, we've got uh, Cami Delavine is maybe how you pronounce her name. And then Joey Curtis plus Derek all co-wrote mm. the, or all have writing credits on this script. And I know that like Michelle Williams, like even though she's not a credited writer, had a lot of input on her character. And mm-hmm. like it wasn't just Derek, but I mean, they're... they're Every, I mean, every man in Cindy's life completely fails her, which unfortunately is not the most uncommon experience. We haven't quite talked about this yet, but I also appreciate that this movie takes place in like the working class, which mm-hmm. romance movies never yeah. ever do. It's still True. obviously an extremely white movie. But the fact that it's a romance that's being taken seriously in the working class at all, unfortunately, is like worth noting. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to think yeah. of like, all the men in Cindy's life that we get context for, we get context. One of the really difficult ones that I feel like the movie almost doesn't touch on that much because it doesn't necessarily need to is like her relationship with her father because her father was abusive towards her mother, who I think mm-hmm. has died by the time the movie starts. Seems like it. And uh, it's clear that like, poor, like Cindy has seen her grandmother be in a loveless marriage with her grandfather has seen her mother Mm -hmm. be abused by her father and her takeaway is like I don't want to be in a relationship like that but she's a teenager and still hasn't really like quite processed that abuse by the time she gets into a relationship with Dean yeah and then Mm -hmm. it's like I wish I knew like what the reasoning for this is I don't dislike the choice but like my guess was that it had to do with partially like she hadn't pro- she hasn't processed everything and partially sometimes it's like a class thing where yeah her her dad is still in her life because she kind of needs his help with childcare yeah and it's mm. like she fully knows that like he was a piece of shit to her mother and you don't really get closure on that issue right yeah but he's still around and it's like and she also is taking care of him now the way that it seems like she's yeah. taking care of 
you know, her grandmother, like she's taken care of people mm-hmm. her whole life. And now it's like, she's also taking care of Dean right? because she keeps bringing up like, you're my second child, which he basically <laughs> is. Mm-hmm. And then there's how Bobby treats her. And that's like, <sighs> yeah. Bobby, I feel like is as close to we get as a clear cut villain because he's kind of like, like he's a villain jock. I feel like it's as close right, to a stock yeah. character as we get in this movie. And his abuse toward her is so much more like obvious than Dean's abuse. So I can understand why people like, especially in tw- like 2010 wouldn't have picked up on a lot of Dean's behavior as abusive. Cause it's far more yeah. subtle and it's not the like screaming belligerent, like fuck you bitch, which is like what yeah, yeah. Bobby says to Cindy. So yeah. Bobby Ontario. You know what I think Dean's character is? This is how I'm processing this. So, like, Bobby Ontario is the classic, like, misogynist, like, oh, like, sports jock person, right? And then, you know, like, when you're, like, in high school, you're like, oh, here's, like, the emo skateboarder guy that's, like, not like those other guys. He's, like, Uh a musician, and he's sensitive, and he wears eyeliner, but then mm-hmm. he ends up just being another misogynist, but in a different, like, just another alt flavor. Way. He's a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's an alt misogynist. I mean, he's alt. He's not like right. the he's other like a studded belt. Yeah, he's not like the other. Like he skateboards. You know, it's it's like when you were in high school and you're like, oh, the skateboarder guys are like artsy. They're gonna treat me with respect. But it's just like, it's just another brand of. And I feel like Ryan Gosling is just that caricature in this movie. And so you're like mm-hmm. tricked into being like, well, he plays the ukulele and he he's in love with me and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, you're like, oh, wait, this is the same. This is the same thing. It's just Bobby Ontario. It's part the two. same guy. Yeah. He, yeah. He's he's just like a sensitive misogynist. Like we see him cry over the death of their dog. Yeah. Maybe that's what we should call this Ryan Gosling stock character. The sensitive <laughs> misogynist. Because I feel like that is kind of like who he is. Yeah. Alt misogynist. It's like the, <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a lot of memes about that character now. Like the the guy that wears nail polish and then he still punches a hole in your drywall. <laughs> yeah. But he's wearing nail polish. So right, we see him punch a bunch of walls or like a fence. Oh like he never takes his... <laughs> physical aggression out on cindy but he's he's like does punch a bunch of like inanimate objects oh he's got rage issues yeah and also he he keeps oh god this is unfortunately something that is like come up for me in relationships in the past where it's like he's like patting himself on the back for not hitting her that scene where he's like i'm not gonna hit you because i love you i'm like what do you want to fucking meddle like Thank you. The lowest bar imaginable. Good for you. Piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm staying with you. Like, it's like, or don't, <sighs> or don't. <Ugh. laughs> I have to. Can I just say uh, what I was gonna say about what you were saying about class? That's such a good point, Jamie. Like that is mm-hmm. so because you never see it on screen, and w- with the with the backdrop of class, all these things make sense. Like your dad's abusive. Why are you hanging out with him? Because I'm fucking poor. Like, what am I? I'm fucking yeah. poor. I need my dad in my life. Like, I, ca- I can't just, like, go to Italy for five months or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, also, the, the class thing is interesting. And also, what it reminds me of is, like, something, like, my mom would tell me. Because 
I think the divorce thing, a lot of people, you know, I I was joking about Derek's family being divorced and that's sad, but like that is very traumatizing to people if your parents get divorced, but my parents Mm -hmm. didn't get divorced and they had a really horrible marriage and they're still together. And Mm -hmm. that was like a different kind of trauma. And like the level of sadness and darkness that's in this movie is their relationship. It's like the scene where they're yelling at the future hotel room is like their everyday life. Do you know what I mean? But then also what it reminds me of is like my mom is like because you know like what you're saying about in the movie like her grandma had this and then her mom had this like every generation back in my family had it worse than the next generation so like when Mm -hmm. i was married my my marriage was like i mean there was like probably abusive things that we would do to each other but it was there was no real like outright abuse it just was a marriage that didn't work do you know what i mean Yeah, yeah yeah and my mom was just like why are you getting divorced? He doesn't hit you. He doesn't have a gambling problem. And I was like, <sighs> so, you know, like, it's like, yeah. and I'm like, well, cause our marriage doesn't work. Like we, we're not like in love with each other. And why does somebody have to like break your arm before, you know, like it's like hard <sighs> for that bar is so yeah. low. <laughs> right. But my mom also, you know, like grew up really, really poor. And like, because of class, like she, even if she wanted to leave, she couldn't and she didn't end up leaving. And, they're okay now but you know like Mm -hmm. that is like that's such an interesting thing that you brought up because i feel like people don't talk about that in movies right yeah and then speaking of class so director derek had ryan gosling and michelle williams live together in rural pennsylvania in a house uh, with their on-screen daughter who was again just a five-year-old kid wow um and basically gave them a very minimal grocery budget they like had to live on what the actual character's salary would have been so cosplaying as pores how exciting so, right for them. so like they were basically really cosplaying <laughs> poor oh my god derek made them go very method to basically enhance the tension between them when they shot all of the scenes that take place in the present wow including something that i think is extremely fucked up where director derek he like initiated fights between them and so the actors would like fight in real life and then one night he quote told gosling to go into williams's bedroom and try to make love to her oh my god gosling soundly rejected ended up sleeping on the couch i so director derek was like hey ryan gosling go try to have sex with michelle williams your co-star who's also actively mourning the death of her husband like that's so fucked up to do that's fucked up to do period but like at that point in her life i i read that interview as well and like that is fucking evil and he also mentions stanley kubrick in that same interview as if that's like a pro of like well yeah stanley kubrick used to do this to his stars you're like yeah and that was really fucked up why are we speaking of abuse like what the fuck (laughs) you know what i stand by everything shitty i said about derek (laughs) (laughs) i don't take any of it back right i do like this movie but that's like a that's not necessary it's not necessary Mm -mm. they're good actors they're actors they can act yeah that is so yeah. funny with the cosplaying as poor. It's like, imagine you only have $78 to go grocery shopping. And they're like, <laughs> I can't do this. It's too hard. Like, <laughs> And that is like, ugh, that That to me is like super annoying. But it's like, if everyone's so on the annoying. same page about it, then whatever. But like yeah. that anecdote about trying to get Ryan Gosling to go in her bedroom, I found. Oh my God. Very upsetting. I fucking Gross. hated it. 
Derek. Yeah. Derek. Derek. <laughs> I hope he's listening. <laughs> he's going to listen to this. He's, he's our, definitely listening. <laughs> he's our biggest fan. Speaking of all of the men in Cindy's life who completely fail her, um, her boss, yes. this uh, doctor guy. So we get a few different scenes with him throughout the movie. And the arc here is basically he's offering her an opportunity at some other hospital, it seems kind of far away. And then she eventually figures out that he has ulterior motives with this. Basically he's trying to get her away from her family because he wants to date her. Why do we think so many women who are perfectly capable have imposter syndrome? Well, exactly. Shit like this. She even says like, I thought you wanted me there because I'm good at my job. And then he's just like, "Uh, okay, I'll see you in the other room. And then what happens shortly after this is her belligerent husband comes in and punches this doctor in the face. So then she has to like help and care for this guy who just made this indecent proposal at her. Mm. And then he fires her. Yeah. Just everything that happens there was like, I mean, realistic, but extremely upsetting and just further proof that she's just like has the misfortune of every man who she knows or has known being awful to her and this goes back to the class discussion too because it's like Uh one of the last scenes in the movie is a flashback to the first time she brings home dean to her family and Mm -hmm. the family has all of this missing context they don't know that she's pregnant they don't know that it's not dean's they're clearly judging Dean based on his job and class in a way that's not necessarily fair Mm -hmm. but there's it was something that like I don't know I remember from if I ever brought a a boy home when I was young is like especially when you're sort of like Cindy is very much viewed as like the great hope of her family and the first Mm -hmm. a character who I mean, she is extremely intelligent and she does seem passionate about medicine. And there are all like Dean is a a large factor to why her career is derailed, but he's not the only factor. And like Mm -hmm. that is also complicated. But it's clear that her family views her as like the person that's going to like not die in the class she was born in and like has all this potential. And like, of course, they're kind of clinging to that in a way that puts pressure on her and yeah it's just that element as well and then the fact that like including the reason you just described Caitlin with this fucking horrible boss that is hitting on her and then fires her for reasons that are beyond not her fault right yeah it's just like it's so devastating because that shit happens and oh god that scene is so frustrating because it's like it's in that scene too where it's like dean punches the doctor in the face you're like well i want the doctor to get punched in the face but not like this like right oh he's he's not even punching someone in the face for the right reason she gets like punished for all the failures of all the men around her basically yeah yeah again (laughs) unfortunately a relatable experience (laughs) for women uh but doesn't make it any easier to watch also one of the ways in which dean is like subtly mistreating her throughout the movie is it so like she has aspirations to be a doctor we know that she Mm -hmm. doesn't end up there she um gets a job as a nurse i like to think she does after they get divorced i I like to think she goes back to school right but she, when, when we see the flashbacks of her in college, she is planning to be a doctor. And then Dean says to her, like, 
basically you're too hot to be a doctor girls as pretty as you shouldn't be doctors you shouldn't be studying and she comments on this type of thing that he says to her because he does it before where he like compliments her quote unquote actually more insults her but it's it's like a half compliment half insult where he says oh you're so beautiful that must mean that you're also like quote unquote crazy he says to her sensitive misogynist I know it's so (laughs) frustrating Mm -hmm. and she calls him out on it too in that moment Mm -hmm. but it's still like it's not quite enough right she's like you're insulting me and complimenting me at the same time and he's like no I'm not (laughs) you're just like ah fuck you right and and like yeah that this seems to be something that he does I also got the sense that um she's resentful of him because he's wasting his potential and I think that's Mm-hmm. also her being resentful because she I think kind of blames him for her also squandering her potential mm-hmm. because she kind of blames him for holding her back and like for her like never becoming a doctor I agree with that <sighs> yeah there's yeah. definitely some projection going on in this relationship that's the word I was trying to say <laughs> one thing I wanted to bring up really quick just before we completely move on from that kind of peak confrontation scene at the doctor's yeah. office this is a small thing, but I appreciated it having it there because we don't get to see, I mean, as we'll discuss shortly, <laughs> we don't get to see Cindy interact with other women outside of her grandma very much. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like she has a big network of friends. So to see in that scene, she has, I think that she's named as well. The, these interactions don't pass the Bechtel test because they're all like, let's get Ryan Gosling the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. But she has a coworker who it's clear she's spoken to about the abuse in the marriage before. I think Mimi? Mim- oh, yes, yes. And her friend at work is like trying to help her out and try helping her try to like mitigate this situation and also tries to you know help her around the boss as well like they're in this fucking like laser you know maze of toxic mm-hmm. men and i i just appreciated that mimi was there and like yeah. kept trying to be like hey get the fuck out of here like you're gonna get your wife fired which he does and it's Ugh. Right, and also you would think that Mimi probably knows that their boss is a piece of shit too. That would do something like that, mm-hmm. right? Ugh. Um, does anyone have anything else they'd like to discuss? Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the nipple scale? What's what is that? Oh gosh. Okay, so our nipple scale is where we rate the movie on a scale of zero to five nipples. Okay, based on just examining it through an intersectional feminist lens. So a movie that handles things really responsibly and mm-hmm. has a feminist message and is just like an amazing feminist masterpiece that would get five nipples, and then you know your average Michael Bay movie would get zero nipples i thought that that was about how many nipples you see in the movie because i think you see four nipples you You see see a fair number (laughs) of nipples you see both of their nipples speaking of nipples you know the shower scene where he like gets in and he's trying to like yeah uh, have sex with her and he starts sucking on her nipples and she's like oh don't do that and i'm like Mm -hmm. "Ooh, i felt that in my the sole of my nipples (laughs) you know when you're not wanting to have sex and someone's like trying to suck on your nipples you're like oh get away like he's sexually pushy it's like it's gross I, I wanted to talk about just one other th- like there's like these little moments that are so realistic that are like burned into my brain I think mm-hmm. when like somebody throws the keys and they have to both look for the keys oh he takes off his wedding yeah. ring oh the wedding and ring throws yeah it. 
right after she's like, I want a divorce. So he flings his wedding ring off. Is it, and then is he's it like, real gold? Because I'm like, that could be like a class thing. If it's real gold. Yeah. You know when you're poor, you can't be just fucking throwing that gold <laughs> ring in the dirt. Right. You got to look for that. That's $300 you can get at the pawn shop. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I guess the nipple thing. I have to say, this is like this is like a really realistic movie. So I guess the misogynistic parts of it are kind of realistic. So I don't even know if there's like, I don't know. I personally <sighs> can't think of like an outwardly... Except for the abortion scene, which I think I think that's really, I just want people right. to never do that again. <laughs> and I don't think men should be writing scenes like that ever again. Like, do you know what I mean? Totally fair. Yeah, Unless, like it's actually happened to them. But like, yeah, I don't know. What what do you what what's your nipple rating for this movie? I hmm, good question. Well, first, I I just want I don't think this movie passes the Bechdel test. No, uh, not at all. No, because even the few the like little tiny bit where like Cindy and Mimi interact, it's uh in the the context is they're talking about Dean and their boss. Hmm. When Cindy and her grandma talk, it's about like I forgot to pay attention. I was paying attention. I think the whole conversation, the subtext of it is like. Hmm. how do you find romantic love with a man that isn't traumatizing and terrible um so Mm. the subtext is definitely men (laughs) yes right 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 um so no to the Bechdel test nipple scale I would give this three or three and a half nipples because I do think that despite it being the whitest movie I've ever seen (laughs) it does represent a lot of things about a relationship going downhill the subtleties and nuances of the abuse in this relationship i think are handled in a way that is far more authentic and and nuanced than that usually gets represented on screen i think that you get a lot of context for and more context for Cindy's character and backstory Mm -hmm. than you do for Dean, which I think like priority given to the woman in this, you know, hetero relationship Mm -hmm. priority given to her characterization is not something that usually happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that a lot of this is, it sucks that (laughs) this like really realistic portrayal of a relationship is the characters mistreating each other and a really bummer of a story uh the abortion scene i do i agree that it is like the one thing that i think is handled irresponsibly and i wish that there was more representation in media of just very normalizing getting an abortion and it not being a huge deal it not being an extremely traumatic thing that it's just a choice that someone makes and follows through with that procedure. Mm-hmm. And that scene could have been handled much differently without the movie changing that much right. too. Like it doesn't need to happen that way. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I'll give it, I'll give it three and a half nipples on our scale. If I was rating it on a Caitlin, do you have fun watching this movie scale <laughs> on my rompometer? Oh, it is a zero. Zero on the rompometer. Negative. <laughs> Negative 10 million romps. One thing you could say about this movie is it is not fun. It fun is, is not, not the word. 
That's not why. That's not why Derek <laughs> makes movies. Apparently, no, he no, Derek can't find an example of him wanting us to be in a good mood. Derek, <laughs> and of course, not every movie has to be a romp. But no. uh, yeah, there's a lot I appreciate about this movie. Three and a half nipples. I will give one to Michelle Williams because she gave an incredible performance. Mm-hmm. I will give one to little Frankie. I'll give one to Megan, the dog. May she rest in peace. And you know what? I'm not going to give it a, a half nipple. So just three nipples is my official rating. Because okay. I don't like to be bummed out. <laughs> I'm going to go three and a half. I think that this movie, there there are, I mean, I think we've hashed out the issues with it. It's an extremely white movie. I think that the only non-white character is Ryan Gosling's co-worker, Marshall, who we only mm. get in a couple scenes. We get no context really for who he is. He's mostly just there to listen to Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. which obviously is just like very, unfortunately, in especially in this like moody 2010s drama is very expected and frustrating and like not necessary mm. at all should always be called out and uh the abortion scene i'm i'm so grateful that we had that discussion young me because i feel like i because whatever i'd seen this movie so many times over the years that i hadn't mm. even like thought given the correct amount of thought to how that scene is presented right mm-hmm. so th- those are the two things that really stick out to me is like just irresponsible when they came out and have aged even worse um i do really appreciate the class elements to this story um it feels rare that like i don't know that there's really this is like the main famous movie about a breakup that is about poor people uh you don't like because you get so many movies that are like a marriage story and it's like half of the divorce is like well who's gonna get what property and it's like (laughs) This is not relatable to most of people who see fucking movies. Like, yeah, I appreciate that it's like not only a breakup, but it's it's clear that like their backgrounds affect their ability to break up, and like that is not something that's often brought up. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate um, how the idea of like this romantic emo boy, like it's kind of like cool to see the Ryan Gosling character he'd been playing for 10 years be deconstructed in a movie yeah. in a pretty like self-aware way. Um, we didn't talk about this, but something that I, I thought was like really well done on the rewatch that I doubt I picked up on the first time I saw it was Ryan Gosling's character talking about like, oh, you know, women are less romantic than men because blah, 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 when it's so obvious that he has no understanding of stuff we've talked about like in Uh terms of class of like the history of women and why a woman Mm -hmm. may marry for some level of security because the world does not value her in the same way like just all this shit yeah i i I, this movie held up honestly better than i was expecting it to i still feel like there's a lot that you can get out of it if if you're going through a breakup and you want to just fucking lose your mind uh then give it a rewatch it's streaming for free right now um i (laughs) was really crying so much it took me four hours to watch this movie oh no anyways three and a (laughs) half nipples i'm doing great guys Uh, i'm giving all my nipples to megan megan the dog young me how about you um, I don't know. I, w- I would say also three. I would I would say okay. So here's the thing. I'm very sensitive about when movies only have white people, and I'm very sensitive about the Bechdel test. I've never mm-hmm. said that out loud. Is that weird? 
it's Bechtel, oh, right? Bechtel, yeah. Yeah. I think in my head I thought it was like Be- Bechtel or something. <laughs> I had a weird pronunciation in my head for years. I can't believe I've never said that out loud. Embarrassing myself at parties. Um, <laughs> I'm very sensitive about that. I'm very sensitive about when movies are all white. But I have to say, because this movie is just about two people basically i'm like a little bit more forgiving because you know even even ryan gosling i don't think he had a conversation with anyone about anything besides his wife in the movie either i I don't remember maybe he did so it's it's because the movie's only basically about two people i'm a little bit more forgiving of that Mm. when usually if it's like an all-white movie i'm like nope there's no fucking way i'm gonna watch this like how dare (laughs) they but um and then also the class thing and I think it's very important. I think class like is too hard to think about and it's too painful and people just don't like to look at it. But the truth is most relationships, I would even, I'm going to say this, most relationships in America because of how, where like the socioeconomic status of Americans, which more than half of us live in poverty, mm-hmm. look like this. This is what most relationships look like. You fucking have to stay with this person you have to go like dig in the dirt for the $200 gold ring. Cause like you don't have yeah. a choice and like, we should explore that more. It's important. Mm-hmm, for sure. Nobody wants, yeah. Nobody wants to see the fucking story about the person arguing about who gets the beach house. I totally agree right. with you. Like what, what the hell does that mean? Like makes me feel like shit. Like I'm going through a divorce too. I, I I'm eating peanut butter sandwiches for a month, you know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think the class thing really, I think the class thing is what saves this movie in ter- in my head of like mm-hmm. why it's important to exist. And you know, what? I'm going to hats off to Derek, Derek. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Director Derek. Director Derek. Yeah, we don't forgive you for the weird, like, uh, trying to make Ryan sleep with Michelle thing. That was weird, and you should feel bad. That was awful. Yeah. I hope he feels bad. Oh, I'm just like, God, I hope people grow. Like, fuck. Yeah. Well, Youngmi, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute delight. What would you like to plug? Where can people follow you online? All that good stuff. Um, you can follow me on social media at YM Mayor. My TikTok is Young Me Mayor, and I have a podcast called Feeling Asian Podcast. You can follow on social media at Feeling Asian Podcast everywhere, and then you can listen everywhere. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Right now, I'm going to record with um the woman Natalie who was on Love Is Blind. Oh, oh my God! Yeah. <gasps> One of the Asian- yeah yeah wow so i'll I'll let you know how that goes so that episode should be out by the time this is out hopefully hell wow yes. huge yeah yeah everyone be sure to check that out and then you can check us out on twitter and instagram at bechtelcast you can subscribe to our matreon which is at patreon.com slash bechtelcast it gets you two bonus episodes every month plus access to the back catalog and that is five dollars a month and if you want to get merch that's over at tpublic.com slash the bechtelcast in the meantime hope this didn't bum you out too much but guess what (laughs) sometimes it's a bummer uh and Jamie, I decided I love you again. Let's get back together. No. Oh, come on. Crap. No. All right. In that oh, case, last thing he does apologize, but I don't accept his apology. Bye. Okay. Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 infinity QX 80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson yards in New York city. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Monogram at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.